and welcome to the latest episode of the Green Left News Podcast. I'm Ben Radford and I'm joined by Isaac Nellist. We're both journalists for Green Left and we're going to take you through the news from across Australia and around the world. And if you haven't heard of Green Left, it's a people-powered media project that's been running for more than 30 years. We center the voices of activists and provide an alternative to the corporate media. Become a supporter today at greenleft.org.au. Before we begin, we acknowledge that we're recording on stolen Gadigal Wongal land. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Green Left is committed to supporting the struggles for First Nations justice across the country and around the world. Across the country, protests marked the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. The protests highlighted the tragedy of that war, condemned the AUKUS alliance and the nuclear submarine deal, and called for Julian Assange to be freed. Even 20 years after the US-led illegal invasion of Iraq, the impacts are still being felt. A new report from Brown University's Watson Institute for International and Public Affairs found that an estimated 300,000 people have died as a result of direct war violence and more than 9.2 million people have been displaced from the Iraq war. Terrible numbers. And um, speaking of the horrors of war, the first soldier to be charged for their alleged actions in Afghanistan faces court in May. Oliver Schultz's alleged war crime was first publicised by the ABC's Four Corners back in 2020 and relates to the shooting death of Afghan man Dard Mohammed in May 2012. Meanwhile, whistleblower David McBride is facing court for providing the ABC with evidence of war crimes by Australian SAS members against Afghan civilians and captured combatants. A solidarity protest is being held outside his trial at the ACT Supreme Court at 8am on April 11th. In Sydney, 15 LGBTIQ supporters who were protesting One Nation leader Mark Latham speaking at a church were attacked by right-wing Christian Lives Matter thugs. Police arrested two people and several needed to be taken to hospital for treatment. These attacks show that we need a strong movement for trans and LGBTIQ rights. There was a great initiative in Geelong a few days after the attacks where the planned Pride March was supported by a strong contingent of unionists showing solidarity and prepared to defend the rally from any transphobic or far-right attacks. About 600 people attended the march, which also included contingents from local public health and family services. A Pride convoy was also held in Coomera on the Gold Coast in response to a homophobic letter sent to a local household that was flying a rainbow flag. Summer Irvin told Green Left her family had put up the flag to celebrate Mardi Gras and that the support from the community after receiving the letter had been overwhelming and uplifting. In Adelaide, Protesters rallied outside Parliament House against the South Australian Labor government's failure to address housing affordability. People called for stronger government intervention and to introduce measures like a rent freeze, an unoccupied dwelling tax and a massive program of public housing construction. And federally, Labor has broken its promise to scrap the compulsory cashless debit card for people on welfare payments, instead changing its name to the smart card and actually expanding it to include long-term welfare recipients, people whose children don't have satisfactory school attendance and disengaged youth. 
Anti-poverty advocates have called the continuation of the punitive and paternalistic forced income management extremely disappointing. Yeah, it's disgraceful from Labor. Climate activists rallied outside the Australian Financial Review Banking Summit in Sydney to demand the big four banks stop funding new coal and gas projects. Dee Mould, whose home was destroyed by floods in Lismore last year, told the rally that these banks are ultimately responsible for killing people all over the world through their ongoing support for the fossil fuel industry. Meanwhile, the federal Labor government's safeguard mechanism climate bill has passed with green support despite the bill not limiting warming to 1.5 degrees and not ruling out new coal and gas projects. In its largest meeting ever, the Sydney University National Tertiary Education Union has voted for two more days of strike action as part of its campaign for better working conditions and a real pay rise. More than 700 people attended the meeting, with about 60% voting in favour of the strike. And Labor has won the New South Wales state election, with new Premier Chris Binns sworn in on March 28. Final votes are still being counted at this stage, but it's looking likely that Labor will be in a minority government, not getting the required 47 seats to achieve a majority. The coalition suffered a massive swing against it after 12 years of privatisations, corruption and mismanagement. And now let's hear what's happening from around the world. In France, the popular revolt is deepening against the Emmanuel Macron government's deeply unpopular pensions reform. Millions of people took to the streets and have been met with violent repression, with police using tear gas and water cannons. Workers in the transport, energy, waste and other industries have been striking and students have been barricading high schools and universities. John Mullen, who's reporting for Green Left, said that despite the widespread support amongst workers, national union leaders have still continued resisting calls for an indefinite general strike. And thousands rallied in Washington on the 20th anniversary of the US invasion of Iraq to call for an end to the war in Ukraine, stopping US imperialism and ending the escalation of tensions with China. The protests connected Palestinian and Indigenous people's struggles in the US and heard from speakers from across various movements and campaigns. The British government has revealed that it's going to supply Ukraine with armour-piercing depleted uranium shells, despite the health and environmental harms associated with their use. Numerous studies following their use in the Gulf War, as well as in Iraq and Afghanistan, found that the shells are carcinogenic and cause serious birth defects. The Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament condemned the decision in a statement and called for an immediate moratorium on the use of depleted uranium weapons. And tens of thousands of people have taken to the streets in Greece for a general strike that was called by the General Confederation of Greek Workers and Public Sector Workers Umbrella Organization, ADEDY. The strike shut down land, air and sea transportation, cancelling metro and tram services, flights and ferries. The protest was driven by fury over the government's handling of a railway disaster in Tempe, where 57 people died and 85 were injured when a freight train and a high-speed passenger train collided. They blame the disaster on railway staffing cuts, outdated technology and infrastructure neglect caused by several years of austerity measures. Police responded to the protests with violence and aggression. In Swaziland, repression against anti-government protesters has ramped up ahead of the parliamentary elections later this year. People are protesting that only those approved by the king's local chiefs can contest the elections, where all political parties have been banned since 1973. 
Musalelo Makabela, a 21-year-old activist from the Communist Party of Swaziland, managed to escape hospital after being shot and tortured by police after leading a protest against the government's campaign to encourage people to vote in, I guess, what you'd call the faux elections. And 14 people have tragically drowned off the coast of Tunisia in the first week of March. Most were migrants trying to get from sub-Saharan African countries to Italy. The Tunisian government has been spouting hateful racist rhetoric, calling migrants illegal immigrants, aiming to change Tunisia's demography. Uh, Migrants living in Tunisia face heavy targeting by authorities, and many have lost their jobs or have been forced to return home. people protested in Lebanon against the ongoing economic crisis in the country. The protests were organized by retired members of the security forces, pensioners and depositors in banks. Pensioners and others have been unable to access their bank accounts since capital control measures were imposed in 2021. Protesters raised the issue of rising prices of fuel, food and medicine, schools closing, the power crisis and the worsening healthcare system in the country. The crisis in Lebanon has been dubbed the worst economic crisis since the 19th century, with 82% of the population living in poverty. In Israel, hundreds of thousands have taken to the streets protesting against the far-right Benjamin Netanyahu government's proposed judicial reforms. While many figures in the revolt have expressed concern over the country's so-called democracy, they've largely remained silent on Israel's illegal occupation of Palestine. American-Israeli journalist Marav Zonzin pointed out the hypocrisy of protesters demanding the rule of law and democracy while Israeli forces are demolishing Palestinian homes, denying freedom of movement, torturing and killing unarmed protesters and deporting Palestinian activists. And thousands of community health workers in India held a huge protest in Patna in Bihar state on March 21, calling for a pay rise as well as access to pensions, retirement and other employment benefits. They gave the state government an ultimatum and threatened to take statewide strike action in April if their demands were not met. These workers formed the backbone of India's rural health network and held a crucial role during the COVID pandemic. Despite this, they are not recognised as workers and are deprived of employment rights. While the strikes and protests in France are all over the international news, what isn't are the strikes in Uruguay against the right-wing Louis Lacaille-Pau government's proposed pension reforms, which include raising the retirement age from 60 to 65. Thousands of workers in banking, education, healthcare, housing and transport marched through the capital Montevideo against the regressive reform, which is soon due to be voted on in the country's chamber of reps. And in Mexico, at least 41 migrants and refugees have died after a fire spread through a detention center in Ciudad Juarez, near the US border. Video footage shows guards leaving the prison as the fire gets worse, leaving the migrants locked inside. Tragic events like this happen as a result of the US's cruel anti-migration policies that force Mexico to capture refugees and deport them before they reach the US. All of the stories that we talked about today and more are listed in the podcast description as well as on our website. Go to greenleft.org.au for more.
So a really exciting event that Greenleft is co-hosting is coming up, and that's the Love, Art and Revolution Film Festival, showcasing films about First Nations communities resisting resource extraction, climate change activists fighting the climate crisis, campaigns for rent freezes and public housing, and activists building bridges with revolutionary movements in the global south and more. This film festival is a timely cultural injection of hope. The festival runs from April 27th to 29th, and it's going to be at 107 Projects in South Everly. And the four sessions are going to feature 28 short films. Find out more at the Facebook event in the podcast description. Another great event coming up is the annual Eco-Socialism Conference, which is hosted by Green Left and supported by the Socialist Alliance. This year, uh, A World Beyond Capitalism is the theme, and it's being held in Melbourne over July 1st and 2nd, and it's going to feature Japanese Marxist academic Kohei Saito, who's the author of Capital in the Anthropocene. He's going to be a keynote speaker. There's going to be more details as well as more great guests that are going to be speaking. It's going to be announced soon, but save the date and check out ecosocialism.org.au for tickets and more info. Greenleft runs on people power. We don't accept corporate donations or advertising, so we need your support to continue. You can become a supporter for only $5 a month, and it's only $10 a month to get the hard copy paper delivered to your door. You can also donate to our 2023 Fighting Fund, which will help us make more content like this. Go to greenleft.org.au support to help us out. And remember to follow Greenleft on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for the latest news and analysis. Thanks for listening.